Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 372nd edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're broadcasting in this, our eighth year. We're broadcasting right across the world from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. China launched two new satellites into its Beidou Satellite Navigation Network, which is part of a $9 billion plan to eliminate Chinese dependence on the US-owned global positioning system, which is GPS. So every time you get in your car and you put your um, Google Maps on, it's GPS. Now, when Beidou is completed in 2020, which is only a year away, China's navigation needs will no longer require American technology. And I guess you can understand that. A navigational program based on satellites orbiting the globe that would allow China to be totally self-reliant for location data used in smartphones. It's used in car dashboards and it's used in guided missiles and it's used in a hell of a lot of things. And tensions between China and the US, you know, the trade wars escalating, uh, Apple's just been banned in most of China. The um, CFO of a Chinese company, Hua, which is the phone company, has been arrested and is being extradited to the US. And uh, allegations of corporate corporate espionage and uh, stealing technology secrets continue to grow. So relations aren't that good between the US and China. And the US actually owns GPS. The government owns it. The US Department of Defense first launched GPS satellites in 1978 during the Cold War. And then it made the system public for civilian use across the globe in 1983. Since then, the GPS system has been the default system for nearly all commercial applications across the world. That's here in Russia and everywhere. And this market is expected to reach $146 billion in the next five years. So we're talking about a lot of hay here, $146 billion. Now, satellite positioning systems have become increasingly important to things like self-driving cars, location-aware smartphone apps. And this has caused China and other countries, like, for example, Russia, North Korea, and a whole bunch of others, to second-guess their reliance on American satellites. Just imagine if America decided to um, make their guidance systems not very accurate. All sorts of things could go wrong. Now, since America's globe-spanning GPS system is freely available, China won't save money with its new system, 
But since the US government still controls it, it can also selectively deny access to it. So Baidu could, uh, so the US government to turn around, turn around to China and say, well, you can't use it for your planes. You can't use it for domestic aircraft. You can't use it for cars. You can't use it for smartphone apps. And uh, they would be screwed. But Baidu will allow China to act without fear of an angry US Air Force turning off all maps in Chinese smartphones, for example. Plus, China's new positioning system will be an economic boom down the road. The China Satellite Navigation Office expects to generate $56.7 billion in revenue next year from the new system. So that's $56.7 billion that the Chinese will get, and one would assume that that's fifty-seven billion odd that the United States will not get. And it's being tipped that China's system is more accurate than GPS. So GPS's monopoly on geography will almost likely come to an end. If it is, and suggestions are that it is, but it may not be, some companies are already rolling out the welcome mats for the new system. Navinfo a Beijing chip maker that supplies Tesla and BMW already projects demand of 15 million chips linked to the Chinese system annually. But as you can imagine, China isn't the only country that wants geo-independence from GPS. Russia's investing in improvements to its Cold War-era GLONASS system and the EU is building out its global location network called Galileo that's expected to be fully operational in 2020. Chinese satellites have been launching into office and orbit for this program at a rap rapid rate. In fact, there's been 18 this year and three launched just last month alone. So the US may not have the exclusive on GPS very much longer. And it looks like it will be a loss of $100 billion plus to the US economy. So you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter. We've now got about 1.7 million daily subscribers and it takes just 30 seconds to read. Well, that's not quite true. If you really want to read it carefully, it takes about a minute. And every day we tackle a different subject, from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to subjects like Hyperloop and autonomous cars and blockchain. So if you want to keep abreast of all the new developments in business and technology and ensure that you're able to compete with your peers in this ever-competitive world, you really should get the Bob Pritchard newsletter. For example, in tomorrow's newsletter, we talk about Huawei, who is aiming to boost sales and win market share for competitors like Apple. And they're offering users the ability to generate 3D models of themselves with photographs. 
and share it with others. So photographs will be in 3D. Now, of course, Western countries around the world are banning away from selling their phones. So that'll be another interesting thing to see where that goes. Now, if you'd like to get my newsletter and keep up to date with all the news that's happening, simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll. It's easy. And if you don't want to continue getting it, you just cancel it. And it's, you know, some newsletters or some websites, you can't find out how to get rid of them no matter what you do. Well, this is really easy. At the bottom of the newsletter, there's a thing saying subscribe. You just merely click on that and boom, you're gone. No waiting three days or four days or five days. You're off immediately. So give it a try. BobPritchard.com and simply enroll. Easy. Now, the past 12 months, many of us have seen our cryptocurrency portfolios collapse. I was looking at mine today and my portfolio has fallen by over 90%. Still worth a hell of a lot more than what I paid for it originally, but from its high, it's fallen 90%. So the question is, what's going to make Bitcoin go up again? People are saying that the rapid rise in cryptocurrencies in 2017 was all hype and it was a bubble and uh, certainly the hype part's true. But cryptocurrency expert Mike, Mike, Mark Healthman says only a maximum of 4% of people in the world have ever owned cryptocurrency. So only 4% of people have ever owned it. So... And many people were too scared or confused to buy crypto. But how could it be a bubble if nobody owned it? It was simply hype, and that hype ended in disaster. It's collapsed now because of the whales. They're the guys who have got thousands and tens of thousands of Bitcoins have been manipulating the market and profit-taking. Once institutional investors and Wall Street and investment companies and hedge funds and rich people in general get into the market, hundreds of billions of dollars are going to come in. They'll push prices up. That'll raise public enthusiasm. And then at some point, hopefully towards the middle of next year, greed will take hold. Institutional investors are now coming into the market. Backed opens in January. Some large endowments have bought Bitcoin. Private investment funds have come in. Huge buyers are getting Bitcoin in private deals. And reports show over-the-counter Bitcoin trading volumes dwarf that on the public exchanges. Along with backed, Fidelity, Coinbase and BitGo will soon give big institutional investors safe, regulated, secure ways to buy cryptocurrency, while Robinhood and TD Ameritrade let average people buy crypto as part of their portfolio. So it's all happening with the big guys. One of the Goldman Sachs subsidiaries bought a cryptocurrency exchange for $400 million and they've got plans to get into ICOs. Now, these efforts take a huge amount of money and time to set up, 
and for Goldman Sachs to put in $400 million, it demonstrates some confidence. Spheron and IBM are using cryptocurrencies for their blockchain as a service offerings. Starbucks formed a partnership with BACT to develop ways to use Bitcoin to settle transactions. So there are a hell of a lot of things happening. Bitcoin's also developing a, as well. Lightning Network is already reducing Bitcoin transaction fees to fractions of a penny. That was always an issue. And they're working very hard on speeding up their clearance times. Backed will offer merchant solutions with Bitcoin to settle payments. Drive chains attempting to make it easy to create branches rather than forks. And that'll mean that Bitcoin blockchain will be intact while giving developers new ways to leverage its value as part of a payments network. So there's all sorts of activity going on that the big investors will want to publicize to drum up support for crypto, and they will. And after the big guys have acquired enough Bitcoin, they'll start hyping it and advertising their services. Then comes the media attention. After that comes the enthusiasm and all those who bought Bitcoin at $10,000 or $20,000 and are holding on until they can sell it will decide not to sell because the prices are going up. There'll be positive press and they'll see how different it is this time. So when I started broadcasting this show eight years ago, I did a show called Did You Know? And I thought for fun I might resurrect that in the second half of this show. So look forward to that. My guest after the short break is Oscar Garcia. And Oscar is the CEO and co-founder of Ula La, great name, a blockchain-based company that served the um, financial services problem by helping the cash consumer become credit worthy. This is mainly aimed at the Latino market. And in the US alone, the Latino market is $2.3 trillion. So this is Bob Pritchard broadcasting across this world this week from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And I'll be back in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. 
to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. Over the past seven and a half years or so, we've given you the insights into the lives of over 350 of the world's most interesting business people. We talk about what it is they do, how they've become successful, and we try to get behind that a bit to find out what it is that really makes them tick. In this interview segment, it's it's our intention to keep you up to date with all the current business news, as well as new developments in health, technology and apps, and to introduce you to some of the world's most interesting and successful business people. I first saw today's guest present at the Beverly Hills blockchain event in Los Angeles, and again at the Crypto Invest Summit a couple of weeks ago at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Oscar Garcia is a tremendous presenter. And he's got a great message. He's really captivating. In fact, Oscar's so good, I immediately invested in his company, which is called Ooh La La. (laughs) How can you go wrong with a name like that? Now, Oscar is the CEO and co-founder of Ooh La La, which is a blockchain-based company that has solved the financial services problem by helping the cash consumer become creditworthy. Ulala connects the hundreds of millions of Latinos from the US to Brazil who don't have a bank account to finally be connected to the formal economy. In the US alone, the Latino GDP is a staggering $2.3 trillion. That's $2,300 million. That's a hell of a lot of loot that um, is going uncaptured. So it's really difficult and expensive to be poor. You know, particularly if you're one of the large segment of the Hispanic population who don't have a bank account or a credit card, you know, you typically transact in cash only environment where you wait in long lines to pay bills or to send money back home. And when you're paying cash, it often costs you more. Banks charge you 29 bucks a month for a checking account, their overdraft fees, cash checking business charge, they charge high fees to cash your check and remittance companies charge higher fees and that reduces the amount of money that arrives where it's needed most. So these factors exacerbate the chasm between rich and poor. Now, Ulala uses blockchain to remove the middlemen, drive down costs and it empowers those people who need it most. This will allow individuals to build credit save on services and earn cash back by paying their bills. Oscar's been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, built a number of companies and accelerated the growth of small businesses. As the CEO of Ulala, Oscar's passion for social impact will be global. Now what they've done, when you go to the Ulala website, you see an incredible team of diverse executives, many of whom are Latino descent, He's secured financial services and distribution partnerships, all while raising millions from crowdfunding. Oscar's driven by an insatiable desire to solve important problems through technology. Ulala, with its blockchain technology to empower a culture through financial inclusion and transparency, it really is the future banking. Oscar, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard all around the world. Bob, thank you. Uh, that was one of the best introductions. I, I honestly am thinking, you don't need me on the show. We got you. <laughs> so what was the motivation for Ooh La La? Did you just wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning one day and go, 
Ooh la la, what a great idea. How did that come about? Well, the, the business idea came about because of a, I would say, a disrespect four years ago. Uh, I was working with a, uh, I was working with a Hector Barreto who used to head up the SBA under George W. Bush. I was right. the vice president. He was the president. There was an owner of a company that we brought the Latin community to, and we brought them over $60 million in revenue in a short period of time, under nine months. Wow. And unfortunately, he failed the Latin community. He failed to keep his promises to the community. And for me, I've always looked for a product or a service that can actually do what they say they're going to do, do it right, uh, fulfill your commitment, and this demographic will reward you. So it really came about because of four years ago, uh, a failed business taught me the lessons, and I wanted to do it right. Okay, I've got to ask you about the name. I love the name. <laughs> Ooh la la, it's just it's fantastic. How did you come up with a name? Well, Ooh la la stands for Universal Utility Loading Application and Lending Appliance. That's what it really means. So when you, really, when you look at Ooh la la, the, the real way to spell it is like O-H something, right? Yeah. Um, we, because of the universal utility aspect of it, it just created that UU aspect of it, and the the you know the loading application squared you know equals a la la. Yeah. Really, that's where it came from. It, it's something unique. It's like an Amazon family name, but it really serves a purpose. It's a fabulous name. I love it. So, why are you specifically looking to help unbanked Latinos? Is that hard to well, penetrate? Bob, I, Is it hard to penetrate that market? To do they trust the system? Uh, I, I don't think they trust the system. I think that they've been taken for granted. Uh, um, I'm a son of an immigrant. I've seen my mom really hate and despise walking into banks. She felt that she was in line just to get disrespected. You know, she would walk into a bank, ask the cashier check. She would be looked at like she's kind of some, you know, weird alien. And, uh, you know, she just felt disrespected all the time. And for them to charge a fee to cash her check, uh, that, that's, that's really what we're trying to solve. Right. Now, can you penetrate this market? I think four years ago was our test case where not only did we penetrate the market, we, we were able to bring $60 million in revenue in under nine months. Yeah. We now have a, a system and a process where we know we not only can penetrate, we can dominate with this culture. Yeah. I, I hate to tell you this, but I, I'm i not a Latino, but I hate banks too. They are rude, <laughs> objectionable. They do absolutely nothing to help you. They have you sit around for hours and deliver four-fifths of fuck all. <laughs> I don't like banks at all. Um, hey, Bob. That's exactly what we believe, right? We believe that the, that the common threads here between every culture is that if you're unbanked, if you're not worth, even people worth millions of dollars, let me tell you, I still stand in line. I show them my bank accounts and they're like, wow, this is amazing, but yet they still keep me in line for 20 minutes because they killed the merchant line, yeah. you know, just to, just to move money around. It's stupid. Yeah, I agree. So... The growth in the use of blockchain in the financial service, it's been exponential, hasn't it? I mean, every day you read about new institutions and new organisations, particularly in the financials, not only in the financial services area, but in all sorts of area. It's 
growing like crazy. So how are you using blockchain in Ulala? Well, we, we started looking at how we can actually log these transactions for underbanked individuals that, you know, in some cases they're legally here in the United States, other times they're not. But what we can all share in common is that we're, we're all citizens of the world. Yep. So why not create a platform that actually empowers every citizen in the world? Uh, blockchain technology gave us the ability to have a completely decentralized, immutable record. Now, yep. that's the key. Blockchain is the ability where you can have several different computers actually, or seven different nodes, actually verify that that transaction happened, right? That transaction happened. When you have that, you no longer are a, a byproduct of a big institution like a Wells Fargo that says, this happened because I say it happened. No, yeah. it's not because they say it happened. It's because there's verifiable proof that it happened. That's what blockchain does. When we have institutions that actually does that, now you can have a global credit score. Now you can have a global financial score. Now you can have a global entity that can prove that this individual, his intentions are good. His yeah. intentions are worth X amount of dollars, right? Blockchain technology really opens those doors. It is fantastic. And it's about time we made the whole system transparent because at the moment, and in, I happen to be in Australia this week doing some business and there's just been a big banking inquiry here and all the banks um, got torn to shreds for all sorts of devious um undertakings for for lying for cheating on uh reports and you know and these are people that we're supposed to look up to so how that's the point that's the point right it's yeah that, absolutely because someone says that this ceo is a good guy uh you're supposed to look up to him you know hey let's let's trust but let's verify blockchain yeah. technology is that ability to verify and that way nobody can change the record, nobody can lie, steal, and cheat. That's yeah. the whole purpose. Great. So do when, you, when you're out talking to um, unbanked Latinos, do you, do you emphasize the blockchain? I mean, do they know what the blockchain is or have any idea how it works? No. All they care about is that their business is being respected they're being shown a new system that for some reason can verify who they are and for some reason can help them obtain microcredit loans. Right. They don't know what they don't know, right? Like, do you actually know how TCP IP and voice over IP works on your cell phone? Because sometimes you're on the carrier's line. Other times when you're calling someone internationally, you're going over a VoIP system. Yeah. So do people really know how their cell phone transactions are being done? No. But the cell phone companies are able to route two different systems, one yeah. that's theirs and one that's void, in order to get the call across internationally. Yeah. We are exactly like that. We're, we're a, a technology company that uses blockchain, which is our carrier, if you will, that can verify and make things happen. Money goes from point A to point B, how it happens or how it works. Most people don't care as long as they, there's good customer service, great value and something that that can reward them for doing the activities that they're doing right so what blockchain are you on and why did you choose that particular one well we use multi-chain which gives us the ability to have our own blockchain in several different countries 
So a lot of people always ask us, why aren't you on the ERC-20 Ethereum contract? And it, the short answer is when a lot of people are using it, it's bogged down. You can't go to a Starbucks and actually order a mochaccino cappuccino and wait two hours to have a transaction verified. That's we don't want that to happen. Yeah, that, that's the problem right now of, of current blockchains and cryptocurrency, right? With, yeah. Whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin Cash, that that's prevents it going mainstream into the transactional level. So what do we do? We actually use multi-chain that gave us the ability to have smart contracts that we can add or take away from. And not only that, but it can give us the ability to have separate blockchains with separate rules in separate countries. So the United States has certain rules. They say we want things done in the ABC fashion. Yeah. So Mexico says, yeah, that's great, but we want you to add C, D, E, and F. So because of multi-chain, we're able to create slightly different blockchains and then link them together to make a multi-chain blockchain environment for every country and be vi- viable for those countries' laws. We right. believe that that's smarter, that's better. At the end of the day, we batch out our transactions. We don't do our transactions on the blockchain on a second-by-second basis. We learn the lessons on the merchant service industry. When you batch out all transactions at the end of the day where the load is less, so that way you have one transactional uh, scenario instead of multi-transactions that happen on a second-by-second basis. Well, do you reckon this is off your subject for a minute, but do you think that EOS is going to change – um, going to be a better solution than Ethereum? Well, I, I believe any technology that speeds up the transactional history and lowers the cost of it is definitely going to be a better boat. EOS is on a rise. Their technology is looking to be launched at the end of June, to my understanding. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, there's great, there's great promise. I'm waiting to see. Um, but anything that speeds up the process definitely will catch our attention. We've talked to Block One, who runs EOS, yep. and we like what they have to say. So they're looking, and you know what? They were honest with us. They were looking for platforms that will eventually migrate over to them once they launch. And yes. we believe we're going to watch what they do and then actually launch. Uh, if it's if it's tangible, launch with them. But if it's not, then we use the multi-chain as we already have plans to do so. Right. So what is the gap in the market that Ulala looks to fill? Is it is it simply the bottom end of the market, um, bottom end of the Latino market, or is it across the board Latino market? Well, it's, it's really across the board Latino market, but we start with the bottom first. When you rise the bottom yep. to a certain level, then the medium class individuals, the upper class individuals will take notice, right? Because if it's sure. good for... For the goose, it's good for the gander. And, and that's what we're looking at. First and foremost, we're talking about 30% of the world is unbanked. 55% of the world is underbanked, meaning yep. they don't have credit worthiness. Yep. So when you really look at the spectrum, we're talking about more than half of the world can use ooh-la-la eventually. But how do we prove to to the whole world that this is a better mousetrap, right? So we went after the Latino market because we're saying, look, we can lower all their fees to cash their checks, pay their bills, send money out, but we can reward them with micro loans by tracking what they spend and actually giving them $10, $20, $50 loans. 
Yeah. Once they do that and we're able to prove the model, then we can expand out, right? Then we can go middle class, upper class, and whatnot. But once we, we prove the model with the majority of the Latin culture, then we can open up to the world. So we're basically taking a NyQuil type of approach where they said right. we're a nighttime formula compared to all the daytime formulas. They dominated that space, and then they went and created DayQuil, where they now they control both of, of sides of the aisle. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's ooh-la-la. It seems to me ooh-la-la. I've spent a hell of a lot of time in India and um and Africa, and I would have thought that um, Ooh La La was absolutely made for those two markets. We learned from those two markets, and there's a lot of competitors that are there going is. after those two markets. But when, when you look at it, if you're an individual that's getting bitten by all these companies, you have a lot of options. You know, that's, that's what we call a red ocean environment. What we want is a blue ocean environment where there's almost nobody going after a certain demographic. It's a yep. demographic as big as $2.3 trillion, and we can be the big fish there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what is it about what you're doing that excites you the most? What gets you going at 6 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> uh, I, I think for me it's oh, uh, 7 o'clock in it the just morning. Happened. Yeah, yeah. No, it's literally this just happened. Um, let me tell you about what just happened about 45 minutes ago. 45 minutes ago, I was at a restaurant and this, this older lady walks in with, let me count them here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bushels of flowers for Mother's Day. Right. She can barely wrap her hands around these flowers and she's coming around the restaurant seeing if she can sell these flowers to anyone. Yep. And she's getting denied, denied, and denied. And then I bought them all from her. Wow. That lady was like my mom. Yeah. That lady did not stop after the first denial. That lady kept on going. And all she wants to do is feed her family. Sure. So if I can help out that lady, if I can buy out those flowers, if I can give her dignity and respect, then that's why I will wake up early in the morning. Yeah. It, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? I, I'm not sure about feeling good. I, I don't know how to feel it because I lived it. Yeah. I, I think for me... It's about getting culture the dignity that they deserve. This yeah. is a hardworking culture that does more than what people think. It's a shadow culture that you don't pay into until it slaps you in the face. And if we can bring back that dignity, if we can help them rise and get extra access to financial inclusion, that we have done something right and we've proven that you can make a lot of money doing the right thing. And it is a hardworking culture. Sure is. Um, yeah. So what's the biggest threat to ooh-la-la? What butterflies in the stomach sometimes? <laughs> well, it's simple. It, it, it's uh, people that get in our way. It doesn't give me butterflies. It fires me up. Oh, okay. It's people who don't understand, right? It's, it's, it's banks that go, what is blockchain? It, it, it's institutions that don't want to embrace new technologies, new systems, new perils. It, it's old systems like Wells Fargo, who's getting fined a billion dollars because they lie, steal, and cheated the commercial, you know, the consumer yeah. by creating false bank accounts without their knowledge. That fires me up, and it's really irritating that there's certain companies and certain you know individuals that are trying to go to the 22nd century, the 23rd century technology, but there's people who resist change no matter what because they're trying to hang on to their last destitution of the old model. If you do not embrace change, 
you will be left behind. The internet has proven that. Cell phones has proven that. They're not smartphones, right? Every yeah. industry has evolved. The banking industry has not. It That's is time. That's true. And if you don't change, you're going to go very quickly because change is accelerating so fast and the people that are using new technology are improving their profits, they're improving their their, um, customer service, they're improving everything about their businesses. So if you don't follow that path, you will lose. Absolutely. And, And look at the examples we have right now. Toys R Us. Yeah. Huge institution. Just lost. They lost to Amazon. Yeah. They outsource to Amazon. Amazon now beat them, right? Yeah. Everyone who's who has failed to look at technology and people who always say, well, how can you compete with these institutional big juggernauts? Because they're blinded to change. That's how we compete. That's right. I agree. Uh, can you just give us a brief overview on how the ooh-la-la financial ecosystem and mobile app actually works? I mean, how do you start? Sure. How does it, how does it, how does it happen? Well, there, there's two major bridges in the industry that we solve, right? We always uh, talk about how there's 10 steps in the banking world. You know, the first step is you you have some kind of cash or some kind of check, and then you need to transfer that paper, that check, into cash, and then you use that cash to pay bills, to do the things that you need to do to live on. If you have consistent money, then you get a bank account. That's usually around step four, yeah. right? And then once you have a bank account, you start building some kind of credit, you know, but that's step five, six, seven, and eight. And, and then when you're at step eight and you got a FICO score of 800, everybody and their mom wants you. Well, yep. there's, there's gaps. The, the first gap is how do you get cash into the system when there is no bank account? The second gap is how do you kickstart credit when most institutions won't give you things until you take out $1,000 or more on some kind of item? Yeah. So what we did first, what our phase one is, is turning as many people, and I'm saying this again, people into walking, talking bank tellers. Yeah. Because the same way the, the Airbnb is of the world turned houses into hotels or apartments into hotels, we believe that peer-to-peer banking is the next evolution of the financial sector. Yep. So if an individual who has money into the system can help another individual who's new to the system load $50, load $100 in cash yep. into the system by mean, by simply being united to being shown that, hey, listen, I can help you load $100 for a fee of $2. Yep. If that fee is acceptable to you, you hit agree, you get matched up, he hits agree, there's an escrow system, you meet, you give that person cash, he hits the button. We're watching the transaction on every step, and then we move the money from his account to your account. Now you have that money accessible digitally. So what does that mean? That means your money now has a virtual Visa card attached to it. Right. Now you can go to any Amazon, Hulu, anywhere where you can save money and actually buy things. Now you can use that Visa virtual number to pay your bills because if you walk into a place to pay your bills, they're charging you a cash fee. Yeah, but if you pay your bills with your Visa card, you actually lower the ability or, or, or eliminate that fee altogether. Yeah. I think the great, great thing about this is that um, I've got a friend who uh, does microloans in India, and he says that when you give people who don't have the facilities, when you give them microloans, their repayment um, 
percentage of, of defaults is almost zero. Whereas, you know, we middle class lot, we default all the time. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, right? Yes. The, the, the facade of the industry says that the lowest people in the totem pole will not pay their bill. Yeah. And, and really, it's the other way around. It is the right? other way the around. People, yeah. right, the people who need it most want to pay it back because there's not that many people that will trust them with it. So that way, it, it's almost 100%. Our, our numbers show 98.5% repayment from the Latino market. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Well, my, my, my friend who does the thing in, in India was saying it, it's about 99% um, that meet their obligations, which is amazing. Um, phenomenal. The, the company tagline, empowering you, what's the social impact that you wish to have on the Latino demographic? What do you, what do you want them to achieve out of this, apart from improving well, your credit? Well, it, it, it's, it's really um, self-respect and the ability for them to know that all their activities can really empower them. You know, every one of their activities can help them grow as a financial, financially feasible individual. Empowering you, and, and our logo actually signifies that. It's, a, it's really a power symbol yeah. tilted to the right with the letter U right into it, right? Yeah. So... When you press the button and it empowers you, it empowers all your activity, empowers all your financial credibility, it empowers merchants to give micro loans to individuals. That's really going to be our phase two. So empowering you is really all about empowering not just the individual, but the merchants to actually give micro credit loans and reward programs to consumers. So we really want people to take that message to heart. The more they're in control of their lives, the more they control their money, the more they keep more of their money, the more they can actually give to their immediate family and to society. The, um, do you expect that initially most of the um, matching loans, if you like, loan and, and requests is, is going to come from the Latino community or do you think that it's going to be much more broad based than that? Well, it's definitely going to come from the Latino community because we're targeting the Latino community first. I, I think our, our rollout process is like 80% Latino, 20% everyone else. Right. So we do expect a good chunk of that, of, of the micro loans to be requested by the Latino uh, market. Uh, we have different type of partnerships going on right now with the insurance industry where they're going to be pushing the education to the Latino market on what they can do with our platform. Right. So we do expect the insurance industry to help guide the Latino market. So the short answer is yes, definitely it's going to come from the Latino market. How, um, how easy is the Latino market to reach with messages? Is it, is it you know, some of it's underground, some of it's underground. And uh, so how do you reach them? Is there common media that they, they follow, social media, is that popular? How, no, how, how do you it, reach it, that? Social media is, yeah, social media is really popular, but we don't need that. We have community trusted advisors that we're targeting that already deal with the demographic. Most of these advisors are people that have followings in the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of individuals. So when that individual says, you know, influencers, right, in general, yeah, yeah. when they say do this because it does this for you, people migrate and go, 
curiosity strikes, they go try it, right? right? That is more impactful than the social media campaign of a commercial for 30 seconds that doesn't really say shit to you, right? We really want people to be touched with their hearts and, and be rewarded with their wallet. Right. So who, who are these influencers? Are they sports stars or pop stars or business people? Or no, no. Business people like Veronica's Insurance. Right. Uh, Veronica's Insurance is a big popular insurance house over here in Southern California. Her billboards are almost everywhere. Yep. So it's individuals like her. Uh, and there's more examples of these insurance individuals where people have been hearing about these individuals for decades. And now we can go to them, partner up with them, and actually have them tell people this is good and this is why they're good. So a uh, uh, Latino, um, is the Latino public extremely loyal to certain brands or certain individuals, uh, certain personalities? I, I, I'm not sure if they're loyal to a brand, but they're loyal to a brand if that brand is loyal to them. Right. Right. When, when, when a Wells Fargo, as big of a brand that is, has been caught, you know, over to death, the Latin culture, brand does not matter. What right. matters is customer service, respect, dignity. That's what matters to the culture, right? People are willing to pay for value. People are willing to pay for customer service. People are willing to pay quite a bit of money. But when you take away the infrastructure of a, of a reward system, uh, then why should they pay, right? Why should they pay for low customer service? Why should sure. they pay high fees for people who are just disrespecting them? There's no reason to do that in this world anymore, right? The internet is here to empower. Technology is a force multiplier. Uh, once we show them the value and reward system they'll get from ooh la la, this is going to be a no-brainer to the culture. Great. So what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about ooh la la? I love that. <laughs> well, I, I just love that name. Yeah. You love <laughs> that name, Bob. Uh, <laughs> you can easily go to token sale dot oolala.io that's token sale dot u-u-l-a-l-a dot i-o which means input output by the way a lot yep. of people go well what you know why aren't you a dot com we right. like the input output so token sale dot dot i-o is where they can get all the latest information they can see our videos we have product demonstrations there um they can see why nasdaq uh, why we were at the NASDAQ Tower and in Times Square educating, you know, people at NASDAQ's boardroom. Um, so they can really get a good idea of what we do. Uh, obviously, people can read the articles from the Huffington Post, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, Inc., just to name a few. Yeah. So they can see what those institutions have been saying about our platform. Well, Oscar, unfortunately, we're out of time, but um, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It was great to catch up with you the last couple of times, and uh, I hope we see each other again soon. And you can learn more. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, you know, thank you to you for your support, for your commitment for us. I I greatly appreciate you saying you're one of our investors, uh, you know, for all transparency, I did not know that, so I'm very glad to hear that from you. And anything we can do, I have a fiduciary responsibility to you. Anything we can do to answer your questions, by all means, just call. Thanks very much. So that's ooh la la. So I invite you to have a, a good look at it. It's really fantastic. And if you, 
if you see that Oscar's speaking anywhere, go along and see him because after watching him for five minutes, you'll be convinced like I was. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show. And we're on Voice America Business Network and we're broadcasting today from Hollywood Boulevard in the technology and entertainment capital of the world, Hollywood, California. This is a really weird story, I reckon. Ten years ago, Mike Merrill was at a career crossroads. So the 30-year-old did what any other aspiring entrepreneur would do. He divided himself into 100,000 shares at $1 apiece and let people on the internet buy a stake in his life. So he said, I'm going to divide myself into 100,000 shares at a dollar apiece and I'll sell shares of myself. Since then, he sold off 11,823 shares to 805 investors. These shareholders, most of whom are complete strangers, get voting power on every one of his major decisions. How much sleep should he get a night? He puts it out to a vote. Who should he date? He puts it out to a vote or even whether or not he should have a vasectomy. He puts it out to a vote. So over nine years, one Cheryl of Mike Merrill has fluctuated in price from 99 cents, which was the lowest, to $18 based on the demand for Mike Merrill shares. Some early investors, including his own brother, who got in for a dollar, cashed out at $18. They made 18 times their money. So in return for selling shares of himself, Merrill gets his own personal brand of advisors, 800 of them. But the question is, why would anybody willingly auction off their own personal rights? Now, Merrill grew up in the vast ice fields of a tiny Yukon town, He's homeschooled by his Christian missionary turned state trooper father and a rescue squad mother, and then he joined the military. Three years in, he was discharged. Now, while he was bemoaning his life choices, he had a pretty radical thought. What if I let other people control my life instead? It's a bit like going to jail isn't it? You don't have any say in what you eat or where you go or anything. It's it's the same for Merrill. So he calculated his worth based on his free time, nights and weekends, and figured that that time for the rest of his life was probably around $100,000. So he divided himself into 100,000 shares at a buck each. Now that shows how little he thought of himself. I'm, I'm more than twice his age and using the same formula 
I calculated my worth at 5.2 million. He calculated his at 100,000. Now, in January 2008, he had his IPO, and in the first 10 days, 12 friends bought 929 shares. He retained 99.1% of himself, made his own shares non-voting, and this is the ridiculous part, he ceded 100% of the decision-making power to his new investors. He built a website, which you can go to, write it down, K-Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y-M, capital M, dot com, where people could vote yes or no on his major decisions and the projects he should pursue. In his first year, Merrill planned to move in with his girlfriend of five years. When his shareholders found out, they were furious. And from then on, he let them vote on things in his private life too, first votes, whether or not he should get a vasectomy. 55% voted no. (laughs) Whether or not to adopt a polyphasmic sleep schedule. I don't know what that is, but they voted on it, got approved. Whether he should become a registered Republican, that was approved. Or convert to a vegetarian diet, that was approved. Now, his story wound up on Hacker News, and 40-year-old software engineer from San Francisco bought $6,400 worth of shares and drove the price up to eleven seventy-five. When Merrill's relationship failed in 2012, he asked his investors if they'd like to take complete control over his dating process. That was approved with 96% vote. He went on a variety of dates, updating investors on what happened and seeding to their feedback. After securing his shareholders' approval, he offered one girl a three-month relationship contract. Guys are nuts. In 2013, his story made wired The Atlantic and The Today Show, and the number of shareholders quadrupled from 120 to over 500, and his share price skyrocketed to $18, and that gave him a $1.2 million market cap. So, by and large, these investors are more inclined to say yes than no, of 134 total voting measures to date, 93 have been approved and 41 have been denied. In recent years, interest in Merrill has stagnated and his shares once as high as $18. I looked at them this morning and they were $6.11. But nevertheless, it's still not a bad return. I mentioned earlier that um, when I started this program, we did uh, a thing called Did You Know? And so I've got time just to do a few. Did you know that the first product to have a barcode in America was Wrigley's gum? In a deck of cards, the only the king of hearts is the only king in the pack that doesn't have a moustache. Venus is the only planet that rotates clockwise. The first CD ever pressed in the United States was Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. The 57 on the Heinz ketchup bottle represents a number of variety of pickles 
the company once had. And that's as many as I've got time for at the moment. But um, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. Anybody. And if you're always trying to do the, be ordinary and be normal, you will always be extremely boring and you'll never know how great you can be. So I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I'll again be broadcasting from our studios on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, where technology meets entertainment. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.